the Causey Consulting Podcast. You can find us online anytime at CauseyConsultingLLC.com. And now, here's your host, Sarah Causey. Hello, hello, and thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, I want to revisit the concept of you're on your own. And I'm thinking about Johnny Depp at the beginning of the movie The Libertine, when he's like, allow me to be frank at the commencement. You will not like me. And you will like me even less as time goes on. Allow me to be frank at the commencement. A lot of y'all not going to like this episode. It will probably get 10 to 15% of the normal amount of downloads I would get for an average episode. And then it will fade into obscurity. And that will be that. I already know it going into this. If I were to sit here and blow smoke at people, say things like FOMO and YOLO, quit that job. F that job. F that boss. It's whatever. Just quit. Just walk out. And as if by magic, you'll land on your feet and everything will be okay. If I did that, I would get thousands, probably even tens of thousands of downloads and a bunch of people seal clapping about how great they think it is. Meanwhile, in my opinion, people who do stuff like that are self-serving liars. I can't in good conscience sit here and tell you or anybody else to quit and FOMO and YOLO and flip off your boss and act like it's whatever in the middle of a severe economic downturn, an economy from hell, along with a hot dumpster fire job market. You have layoffs everywhere. You have people lamenting that they got laid off or they quit, they got fired, and it took much longer to find another job than they were anticipating. I don't know how any sane, rational, decent person with any kind of code of ethics could sit here and tell you, it's whatever, man, just quit. Just F that job, F that boss. Life's too short, you only live once, just quit. Just walk out, something will turn up, it'll be all right. I think for me, as someone who lived through the Great Recession as an adult, a bill-paying adult with a job, a mortgage, a car payment, insurance payments, a 401k, etc., a real bona fide adult. I I just can't imagine telling somebody that. I remember what that experience was like. It's seared into my brain. And I've talked about this publicly before on a variety of platforms, not just here on my own platforms, but out in the media. Whatever you had to do to keep a job during that period of time, you did it. There was no FOMO and YOLO and flip your boss off and it's whatever. At the time, I was working for a small company. We were not some Fortune 100 firm with immediate brand name recognition, not by a mile. And yet every day people would call, people would walk in off the street. Do you have anything? Is there anything that I can do? I'm desperate. Can I drop off a resume? I mean, they didn't care if you wanted to hire them as a janitor or you wanted to hire them as manager of the whole damn place. Whatever you had for them, they would take it. And I remember the receptionist having to sit there. It was almost like a broken record. You can leave your name. You can leave a resume on file. But right now we don't have anything. Right now we don't have anything. Right now we don't have anything. All day long it went on. All day. And this this went on from 08 until 
probably sometime in 2010, I really remember having some more breathing room along about 2011. Not that things were perfect, but I just remember things started to feel a little bit more like, the main thrust of hell is over with, and I think I can get back on my feet a little bit. Having lived through all of that and remembering it so clearly, there's no way that I would sit here and say, the hell with it, just quit. But that's what people want. When you start talking about you're on your own and you need to exercise some kind of common sense, some kind of good judgment, you need to have emergency preparedness in your life, eh, I don't want to hear that. I want you to tell me that I should just quit and life is too short and it's whatever. Look, from a philosophical point of view, yeah, life is too short. Nobody wants to have to put up with a boss from hell. Nobody wants to have to hold their nose and do business with a client that they think is awful. But guess what? Down here in reality, sometimes we do have to do those things in order to make ends meet. It's not your fault. We're living in this feudalism 2.0 wage slavery paycheck to paycheck scenario. We've already had a fat cat coming out on national television, saying the quiet part out loud, i.e., some of this inflation is permanent. It's been put through the economy to a point where it's not going to be blotted out. Now, you can sit there and you can have your delusion of grandeur if you want to. Well, when my guy gets in, and insert whoever you want to there, it doesn't matter. Donkey, elephant, independent candidate, it doesn't freaking matter. When my guy gets in, he's really going to change it all. Really? Really? Have they? You know, this is a highly, highly editorial comment, but it seems to me that the last time we had someone that, you know, seemed like they were probably going to try, they were going to try to do something different. That situation did not end well. That situation ended up with a murder in broad daylight. And we haven't had anybody that wanted to do squat about making things better for John and Jane Q. Public since then. So you can sit there and have your LARP if you want to, that some magical politician is going to ride in on a white horse and save the day for you, but I am highly, highly skeptical of that. And in this blog post that I wrote over on my nighttime broadcast slash personal side project here, The Conspiracy Theories, I wrote, last October on my daytime podcast, I published an episode titled, Everyone Should Be a Prepper at This Point. If I create an episode about quitting or how bad it sucks to have a a bad boss, tons of downloads. If I create something about survival and preparation, it's largely crickets and tumbleweeds. People don't want to hear it. As much as they should and as much as they need to, people don't want to hear it. They want someone to tell them it's fine to quit or to flip the bird to their boss in the middle of an economic collapse, but preparation? No, thanks. I stand by that. <laughs> I I really do. It's funny to me that the episodes I record that I feel like are the most important, the ones that people need to hear, a large number of people need to hear the most, are the ones that get interacted with the least. A little almost throwaway episode that I made about quiet quitting. Boom, 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 boom. Tons of downloads. Then I make something about, hey, I think everybody needs to be a prepper at this point. And it's like, silence. (laughs) I recorded a bonus episode 
on August 15th of 2022, titled, Who is Coming to Save You? Here's the description for said episode. I'm hearing across the board from people in the emergency preparedness community about people, irrespective of age, geography, personal situations, etc., who want everything done for them. Hey, could you just like rough out a survival game plan for me? Okay, thanks. Who is going to do that for you? Or are there people in your life who will expect that from you? I saw this years ago when I ran a CSA-style side hustle and had customers tell me point blank, I know you can't customize these produce boxes for everyone else, haha, but make an exception for me. In the episode titled Everyone Should Be a Prepper at this point, which I published on October 19th of last year, here's the write-up. Whether you freelance or you work a stable, and I have stable in quotes there, a stable 9-to-5 job, I think everyone should have some degree of preparedness. Not zombie apocalypse or absolute worst-case scenarios, but as a starting point, could you float along with no assistance for 2-3 to weeks? Key topics. When you freelance, you give up the illusion of three hots and a cot. If you want a day off, you have to pay for it on your own. If the Warhawks decide we're going to war, we're going to war. Even in the absence of a hot war, could you make it through a natural disaster or a power outage? Amid growing global instability. That's in quotes because it came from a news article. Yes, we've always had conflicts and uncertainty. This is true. Is that your excuse for not prepping? I stand by that. I have warned y'all and warned y'all and warned y'all. And I'm not the only one. It's just there are only so many voices of us out here on the fringe that try to do this. If the Warhawks decide we're going to war, we're freaking going. They don't have any compunction about sending your kids or grandkids off to war to get their legs blown off or God knows what to come home in a box. They don't give a shit. And you're talking by and large about men, old white men, who have never been on a battlefield themselves. Have you noticed that? The one and only president that we've had to date, who was a Purple Heart recipient, who was injured in the theater of war, yeah, he's the one that got his brains blowed out in broad daylight. BT dubs. The rest of them, they've never been on a battlefield. They've never seen the horror of war firsthand or come home with catastrophic injuries. But they've got zero problem sending your kids and grandkids out to do it. If they say that we're going to war with somebody, we're going to war. And that can be a band-aid for the economy. I'm thinking about this scene in the movie Seven Days in May, where the, the president, the character the president named Jordan Lyman in that film, played, I think, by Frederick March, he's wanting to make detente, to make peace with the Soviet Union. And one of his advisors tells him, our economy has been based on war for more than 20 years now. Warfare is the engine that drives our economy. You cannot just slam the brakes on it. (laughs) It's gotten way worse since then. It's conflict after war after conflict after war, and it's just all over the place. All of these global dust-ups that suddenly turn into hot kinetic warfare and seem to go on for years. When you really stop and think about it logically, it's nuts. On the morning of February 2nd, around 8 a.m. Central Time, over on my Conspiracy Theories blog, I published a post titled, As Tensions Rise, and I wrote, Time to throw another shrimp on the warfare barbie. Because there was a headline, 
Iran's terrifying next move as President Biden under pressure to retaliate. After three U.S. soldiers were killed by an arm of Iran's axis of resistance, a terrifying prospect is coming to light about what Iran will do next. And I'm thinking, oh, God, here we go. Time to throw another shrimp on the warfare Barbie. Well, later that afternoon, when I was watching television, the special breaking news report came on that we were doing retaliatory strikes. I, I literally went back on the blog that afternoon, probably around 3 or 4 o'clock that afternoon, and wrote, well, that didn't take long, and dropped a link from NBC News. U.S. retaliatory strikes start in Iraq and Syria in first response to Jordan drone attack. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. In addition to the nightmare of war, we also have these rumblings of a so-called disease X, as well as warnings about humanized mice and another strain of the <clears throat> that has a 100% kill rate. And I'm like, man, you know, <laughs> I'm just oh, rubbing my face like Gordon Ramsay when he's in a bad restaurant and he's about to scream, shut it down. I just don't know how any informed, rational person can hear these things and think, I'm just not going to do anything. I'll quit my job. <laughs> I'll FOMO. I'll YOLO. I'll go get myself in debt. Hey, it sounds like a great time to go buy a house. Sounds like a great time to obligate myself for a brand new car. I mean, you know, I don't give you advice and I don't tell you what to do. It's your life and it's your money. I'm just saying from my perspective, I would want to be so incredibly careful right now because we just don't know. Could we have an end of the world as we know it scenario? It's possible. I certainly hope not and pray not. It's possible. In my mind, it makes more sense to prepare for the probabilities. Yes, there are possibilities out there as there always are. And there's always that possibility because we live in an uncertain world where we don't control everything. There's always the possibility of something coming out of left field that we never imagined anyway that could turn everything topsy-turvy. But we have to think about the variables that we do know. Disease X and humanized mice with the <clears throat> kill rate, 100% kill rate. Warfare. Conflicts. This is an election year. How does that foment further trouble? Could there be a declaration of martial law? Could everybody just be sent home again. That's my caveat for this battle of RTO versus work from home. I think there is a 0% chance of John and Jane Q public winning the RTO battle on their own. I think corporate America and Wall Street will win. What they want will prevail, as it always does. The only way that I can foresee remote work coming back in a big major way for most white-collar workers would be a scenario like disease X, another pandemic, or a declaration of martial law. If we have the cronies working together saying it's time for white-collar workers to go back home with a laptop and hunker down at the house, and the essential, I'm using big air quotes here, essential workers can be in the stores, it's okay for the big global conglomerates, they're going to be essential but mom and pop shops and small businesses, they're going to have to shut down. Otherwise, they'll be arrested. 
if we have something like that, martial law and or another pandemic, I could completely see the RTO battle ceasing and desisting immediately. I mean, on a dime, it would have to happen. People would get their laptops and they'd be sent back home and it would be like, well, we've already been here and done this. We already know what it's like. We're fully prepared. And then you will have these so-called remote work, whatever. Fill in the blank as you choose to. Gurus, advocates, experts, etc. They'll take their victory lap and they'll pat themselves on the back as though they were right all along. Meanwhile, they weren't. In the absence of martial law, in the absence of a pandemic, your ass is going back in that cube farm. And if nobody else is going to have the chutzpah to tell you that, to try to be real with you, allow me. If you tune into this broadcast looking for hot air and hopium, you are in the wrong, wrong spot. If you want somebody to sit here and tell you, oh, everything's terrible, but it's okay. The globalists are really shaking in their boots. John and Jane Q. Public are going to overcome. We're going to be able to fight back against the bankers and the central banks and rah, rah for the average Joe. You can go find that almost anywhere. And in my opinion, which that's all this is, strictly my opinion, it's controlled oppo. You're supposed to think that. Oh, you you get this terrible news story, but then you get this glimmer of hope that John and Jane Q. Public are going to rally back and everything's going to be fine. Meanwhile, where the hell is the evidence of that? Where is this supposed rallying back? Where is any evidence that these people almost cussed just a second this is my daytime business broadcast i can't be doing that uh, where is the evidence that any of the jack wagons at davos that are part of the wef are shaking in their boots about john and jq public <laughs> pardon me while i laugh because i just find that so completely absurd you have the wef predicting that within the decade we'll have our first trillionaire Oh, because it's so blasé to be a billionaire. Now we're going to have these jackals amassing trillions of dollars. When you look at the actual statistics and you see that the middle class in the U.S. has been shrinking for the past 50 years. Okay, and keep in mind, throughout that window of time, we've had donkeys and elephants in the White House. We've had donkeys and elephants in control of Congress. Nevertheless, the middle class has been shrinking. And you see the amount of wealth that gets squeezed up the toothpaste tube to the very top. Remember, in 2023 at Davos, Oxfam went to Davos in front of the Weffers and told them about how much money they made during the pandemic. While everybody else suffered and scraped by, they amassed huge, huge sums of money. As if they didn't know it. Did you really have to have Oxfam go and tell them how rich they became? Give me a break. Then this year at Davos, tax the rich, please. We're begging to be taxed. We're begging to pay our fair share, right? Yeah. And, you know, I suspect that if a politician actually did get in office that was going to do exactly that, probably would be about the way that it was in November of 1963. I'm just saying. I don't think that that would fly for even a second. They just go and they trot out their little BS nonsense for the public. Oh, tax us. We're begging to be taxed. We're begging to pay our fair share. Right. Of course you are. It's like, okay, let's go back to 2023 when Oxfam told them, look at how much money that you amassed during the pandemic while everybody else suffered. 
What changed? Did you see any of those jackals giving up their fortune and saying, I will now live a highly ascetic lifestyle? I want all of my money and my mansions and my jets and my sports cars to go to charity. I will just live in a very simple kitchenette little apartment, tiny efficiency apartment, and have a very simple down-to-earth lifestyle now that you've told me this? (coughs) No. (laughs) Of course not. It's just theater. It's just nonsense theater. So you have these jackals amassing huge amounts of wealth. You have the middle class shrinking. Okay, so the majority of people, when you think about this shrinking middle class, they're not going up to the upper echelon. The rich are getting richer because they were already rich to start with. The people that are getting squeezed are getting squeezed down and becoming working poor or just poor, period. Impoverished and without. When I tell people that there are individuals who got steamrolled by the Great Recession and never have recovered, they don't want to believe that. Oh, well, Sarah, come on. That was 2008, 2009. Look at how many years have gone by. Yeah, and? When somebody gets squeezed out and they're drowning in medical bills or they had a foreclosure, they had a bankruptcy, you don't just rebuild from that overnight. It takes some substantial time. Oh, but then you hit everybody with a pandemic. Oh, but then you hit everybody with skyrocketing inflation because you printed up a bunch of hot air, nonsense fiat currency that's not backed by anything so that we can fund all of these conflicts and all of these wars and we can give it to the bankers. Oh, and we can make sure that too big to fail We can make sure that these businesses and these cronies are taken care of. They'll get bailed out to the tune of 99 or 100 cents on the dollar. Whereas you and I, if we make a bad investment or we do something outright stupid and reckless, we just have to sit and pay for it, literally and metaphorically. It boggles my mind, okay, how anybody could be in this type of environment and say, screw it, it's whatever, or screw it, the government will take care of me. Screw it. Corporate America will take care of me. Wall Street will look out for my best interest. It'll all somehow be okay. Mm. I mean, are you nuts? I mean, what? Uh, I can't get there, man. All due respect, if that's what you think, I cannot get there. In my opinion, you're on your own. Nobody's coming on a white horse to save you and ride in and make everything better and smooth out the cracks in the pavement. And oh, oh happy day. Sunshine, roses, rainbows, and lollipops. In my opinion, which could be wrong, you know, as I always say, I don't give you advice and I don't tell you what to do. I just sit here and I opine for your entertainment only. If you and I were just sitting, having a pint at the pub, and this topic came up, which it very well might, I can't drink anymore because of my heart conditions and the medication I have to take, but if I were in my cups, I assure you this would come up. And if if it did, if we were just sitting around talking, just shooting the breeze, I'd say, you know, I just don't know how anybody could have their head in the clouds right now. I mean, at a minimum, you would need to be prepared for two or three weeks in the event of a national, a a national, well, that, that was a Freudian slip. I meant to say a natural disaster, but in the event of a national disaster, in the event of martial law, in the event of disease X, in the event of us getting pulled into hot kinetic warfare or there being some kind of T word attack, be it real or be it false. That's a whole other topic that we could get into. That's a nighttime topic. I'm not going to do that here, but be it real or be it not. You would need to be prepared for these things. And the idea of FOMO and YOLO, quit your job, drive yourself into debt, you only live once, 
the bill is going to come due, just like it will for the country at some point. Look at how much national debt that we're in. 34 some odd trillion breaks down to more than $200,000 per taxpayer in this country. We just keep kicking the can down the road, hoping it'll all work out. And you know what they do? They smash that warfare button. Some of y'all may be smashing the like button. Well, the cronies smash that warfare button. The economies in shambles, go to war. Stock markets in the tank, go to war. Scandal that we can't distract the public from, go to war. <laughs> Think about the Tefri Tepstein client list. At the beginning of this year, people were waiting with bated breath, hoping that there would be some release of the client list, i.e. not these people with nebulous connections that we can't explain, but we want to know who was actually involved in the trafficking, who was purchasing things from that client list. I'm not going to say any words because this is a daytime broadcast, but you get what I'm saying. We wanted names, damn it. And then look at how fast all of that died off. Now it's just like, well, there's war in the Middle East, and then there's war breaking out on the African continent, and then there's also a warfare that's happening now where we're doing retaliatory strikes, and then there's still Russia and Ukraine. Somehow that warfare has gone on for what seems like an eternity. Seems like this whole Ruski-Ukraine thing has gone on for decades. Good God. But hey, it's easy to, to distract from all that. You're not so interested in, in the Tepstein client list anymore if you're worried about basic survival. And quite frankly, I think you do have to think about basic survival. Food, water, shelter. Having access to funds. Having a job loss survival plan. Having an RTO survival plan. And at this point, I would even say conversely, thinking about how you would handle it emotionally, spiritually, financially if we had another lockdown. These are all real possibilities. I can't tell you what these jackals are going to do next. They sure as hell don't consult me on these matters. What I am telling you is that, in my opinion, people would do well to have some emergency preparedness, to be thinking ahead, keeping a close eye on what's going on, be willing to use some good forethought. And at the end of the day, just remember you're on your own. Me and you, we're not going to get bailed out. Nobody's going to ride over the next hilltop and save us in the event of a disaster. The expectation is going to be you're an adult. You should have figured it out. Stay safe, stay sane, and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a quick second to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. We'll see you next time.